I do have a message I want to share you this morning that I think is really important out of the book of 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to that. But been many times uh, in my ministry that I have sat and visited with people in their homes or maybe down a coffee shop, whatever, and we'd be talking, and, and, and maybe they attended a different church. And a lot of times because of that, I, I would just simply ask them, I'd say, well, tell me about the doctrine of the church that you're attending. And many times, I mean more than once, they, people would look at me and say, we don't like doctrine. We don't have doctrine at our church. And I just kind of looked back at them in amazement and said, you're kidding me, right? I said, I wouldn't go to a church without doctrine. And I think it's just a misunderstanding of what doctrine is. It's simply a teaching. It's a, a teaching or it is a group of teachings that's been put together like we have the Baptist faith and message, okay? And most Baptist churches have that, but that's just in a nutshell. There's much more that we believe, but that is a little book of doctrines that we hold to. So, so doctrine is not a bad thing, but a lot of times I've heard people say that, and I've heard people say, well, I don't like doctrinal messages. You know, that, I, don't, I don't want that stuff. Well, dear friend, you're missing about 99% of Pastor Jason's messages then. Because when he preaches, he preaches teachings. He preaches doctrine. Now this morning, I, I've got a really very specific one that I want to talk about. And because of that, it will take us around to a lot of different books in the Scriptures. And some of them we'll read and some of them we'll not be able to. But, uh, you know, I, I just think a church that doesn't have doctrine, a church that doesn't know what it believes, and I'm not saying we have to agree about everything. You know, I'm not saying that. But it, that church is just kind of like a, a handful of jello to me. I mean, you know what a handful of jello is like, right? I mean, you can't hold it. It goes everywhere. You throw it against the wall and it just smears. I mean, and to me, that's kind of what it is to be without doctrine. Doctrine is that which keeps us from being thrown to and fro by waves. Okay? It gives us stability in our life when we have those things. We have those things settled in our heart that we believe. So, so in actuality, one of the most important things we can do as a church, you can do as a parent or a grandparent, is speak truth, speak doctrines into your children, into the lives of other people. So doctrine is what I'm saying is a good thing. Okay, so I, so I hope that this will help you today. I hope it will encourage you. I hope it will challenge you as it challenged me. I'm actually going to talk about holiness today. The, the holiness of God and then our holiness. that God has called us to be holy. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 16. Then I'll lead us in a word of prayer. But he says, But as he, God, but he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Two little verses that is so important in the life of an individual in life of the church, called to be holy in all our conduct. Even as He is holy, called to be holy. Let's pray together and we'll consider that. Lord God, I thank You for this morning. Thank You for the rain that You've sent us, the moisture. Lord, we thank You for the protection that You've given us through these last few storms we've had. Uh, Lord, I uh, just ask this morning as we open Your Word together that Your Spirit who indwells Your children We'll just take these truths and, and many truths that these people know, but you'll just 
reaffirm them in their hearts. God, that, uh, that their hearts will be strengthened in such a way that they will really live out godliness, holiness. And, and Lord, for individuals that seek Him, help them come to an understanding that, that you have a very high standard. It's a standard of being holy, even as you are holy. And God, that in our own strength, we can never meet that standard. So, so help people understand that today that are seeking. God, that they might see the wonder of your grace. They might surrender to you today, trusting you for who you are and all that you have done and all you're going to do. And I give you the praise and honor and the glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we are called to be holy even as God is holy. Those two little verses tell us something about the basis of this call. The basis of God's call on our life is Himself. He is holy. He is, if I can use the word goal, He is the goal that you and I should have as Christians. Because He said He is holy, He wants us to be holy. A positional holy as well as a practical holiness. Now, I'll just share some real quick definitions with you. I know you won't be able to write down this one, but holy simply means separate. Holy means apartness. It is that separation between God and sinful man. He is holy. He is just. He is righteous. Nothing that is sinful can enter in to the presence of God. But yet, even though God is holy, in His grace, He has made a way that mankind who has fallen from His image that He has made a way through Jesus Christ that you and I can enter into His presence because we have been joined together with Jesus and Jesus has suffered once for us, the just for the unjust, so that He might what? Bring us to God. So He has made a way for us into His presence that we might be holy. All right, now God's holiness, a long definition is this. God's holiness is what separates Him from all other beings. What makes Him separate and distinct from everything else. God's holiness is more than just His perfection or sinless purity. It is, listen to this, it is the essence of His otherness, His transcendence. God's holiness embodies the mystery of His awesomeness and causes us now listen to this. Causes us to gaze in wonder at Him. As we begin to comprehend just a little bit of His majesty. Have you ever comprehended just a little bit of His majesty? I, I mean, God in His grace has, has opened the words of God so that you have seen Him in His glory. And you have just a little bit his awesomeness that is what we're talking about when we're talking about holy it's also I think one of the more difficult attributes to explain because it's something that so against who we are and it's so important that we have a little bit of understanding about his holiness because his holiness intertwines it is who he is and in every other attribute if you take his holiness away from every other attribute of God it loses some of its being awesome and majestic. Let me give you an illustration. God's love. God's love is wonderful, isn't it? If you have experienced the God, love of God, it is 
majestic. Why is his love so majestic? Well, it's because he is holy and he is separate. He is different than us completely. But because he loved us, he sent his son take our sins, die in our place, that we might take his righteousness, so that we might be brought into his presence, that we might have eternal life. Now what makes his love so awesome is because he's holy. We're separate from him. And only his love takes care of that separation. If he wasn't holy, there'd be no need for a love like that. Would there? Not really. If he was not holy, why be concerned with more sinners? But because he is holy, it makes his love miraculous when we really stop and think about who we are and who he is. His justice, everything, his wrath. Take any attribute you can name of God and you stop and think about how his holiness connects, connects to that and you begin to get a little bit of view of the majestic awesomeness of him being holy. And dear brothers and sisters, it is very clear from the word of God that he wants us to understand that he is holy. In fact, I could take you to every chapter in God's word, or not every chapter, every book, and I could show you in some place where it represents, shows us the holiness of God. The first one I turn to is Hannah, and I just love Hannah's prayer. After she has prayed to God and talked to God about her being without child and then in verse 2, she says this. Ask yourself if you've ever prayed like this. This is just one verse out of the whole prayer. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like the Lord our God. Folks, Hannah understood what it meant when God said He is holy. I think back to Exodus chapter 19 and 20. We can't read all that. But let me give you an overview of it. In 19 and 20, God has told Moses that the Israelites need to consecrate themselves for two days. They, they need to set themselves apart. They need to bathe. They need to make everything right in their lives. Then on the third day, God was going to come to, the Mount, to Mount Sinai and he was going to speak to Moses and he was going to give them the law. Now, here's the thing that shows God's holiness. Not only that the people had to consecrate themselves, but he said if any man or any beast touches this mountain, he will die. What is that showing us? That is showing us the separation, the apartness, the holiness of God. I think of the tent of the tabernacle. God gave them instructions to build a tabernacle while they went through the wilderness. And in the middle of that tabernacle, there was a little place called the Holy of Holies. No one could enter into that Holy of Holies except the high priest, and he could only do that with what? The blood of a sacrifice. Doing what? Reminding those people as they wandered in the desert that God is holy. And when they had the temple... In the midst of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies with a huge thick curtain that hung down before it. And only once a year, the high priest could enter into it. How? Only with the blood of a sacrifice. And he would enter into that after he had made a sacrifice for himself. He would make a sacrifice for the people. And he would enter into that once again 
reminding God's people that the God whom they served, God is holy. All the scriptures teaches us if we are a child of God, there is no way in this world we should ever reject the idea that God is holy. It's not only an Old Testament idea. You also see it in the very last book of the Bible several times, especially in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. This is a scene in heaven. And he is saying to them, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, What? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Apostle John would say, There is no darkness in Him. That means God is holy. But not only is God holy... Jesus Christ is holy. Remember when Peter was preaching to the people and he told them, and this isn't word for word, but he basically told them in the book of Acts, you chose this criminal and you rejected who? The Holy One. Uh, Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. I told you I'm going to look at several different verses, so you, you bear with me. Some we won't look at, some we will. But Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 15 says this. In fact, it went very well with the last song they sang. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, listen to this, yet without sin. Jesus is holy. Now what about the Spirit of God? What do we call the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit. The Scriptures. The New Testament church had no problem with referencing and connecting the Spirit of God together with God the Father. When Ananias and Sapphira, when they were doing their thing, remember? And they they were talking to Peter, weren't they? And, And the hubby was in there and he said, Man, we sold all this land and we gave all this money. Man, we are really somebody, aren't we? And oh, Peter looked at him and he said, Man, why have you lied to God? And then just at the end, I think the next verse, he says, Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? See, they had no problem with this connection about the Godhead. We serve a trinity. Father, God, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this trinity, as one, they are holy, but also as three, they are holy. So what I'm trying to convince us of, and I don't think it should take much convincing, that there is no problem with the issue that God is holy. That Jesus Christ, He is holy. That the Holy Spirit, He is holy. Now then, if this is true, what should people do when they are confronted with the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the people I think of, and, and he's not going to be on your, your board, but I'll just tell you about him, is Peter. Remember Peter over in Luke chapter 5 and Man, they had been fishing, and neither boat had caught any fish until Jesus got in Peter's boat. He told them what to do. He told them where the fish were. They threw their nets in. They got so many fish, they could not haul them them dudes in with one boat. So Peter, he was going to move his boat over, and all of a sudden, Peter realized who was in his boat. And when he realized who was in his boat, he got on his face, 
And he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That is how a person responds when they understand the holiness of God in their life. Listen to Isaiah chapter 6. And you stick with me, okay? Because you're thinking, well, man, I don't do that every time. I... So let's, let's stay with me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 to 5. He's talking about the creatures in heaven. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, when we as a people... When we are not under say when we have not trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, sometimes even after, and we come to a place where God opens the scriptures to us and, and God just shows us the truth of the scriptures, and we see the goodness and the kindness and the mercy and the justice and the holiness of God the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Man, sometimes all we can do as a child of God is just bow before Him because we understand who he is alright so there is a place for that in our life but I tell you where I feel like the church in America I really am afraid and when I say church in America I'm not saying oh, Lincoln Avenue you're doing this that's why I say the church in America okay I'm afraid really the church in America is coming to a place where the holiness of God is really not a big deal to them they make their doctrines more by what they feel and by what they think than what the word of God says John MacArthur, I don't know what you think of John MacArthur, but he told a story about a, a popular preacher. And, and this preacher was talking. He said, yeah, in the morning when I'm shaving, a, a lot of times God just comes and stands beside me. And, and we just stand there together and I shave and, and we just talk to each other. I know John MacArthur looked at him and see, he said, man, you keep talking in the presence of God. You know, but I'm really afraid that's the attitude sometimes that we have about God. Now, am I saying that God is not our friend? Of course He is. And I love it when God in His presence and in His Word, when He comforts me in some way or, or when He strengthens me in some way and, and when the Spirit of God uh, works in my life and, and I say, Daddy, Daddy, you know, Abby, Father... I love it when God works in my life that way. But dear brothers and sisters, we have to be careful that we just don't separate the holiness of God from everything and we just forget it. And I'm really afraid that is what is happening in some of our churches today. That man, we just, a lot of God's people just do what they want to do. And they live the way they want to live. And they really don't stop and consider what God has said about himself. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Now, I'm making some very broad statements there, okay? And I'm doing that because I do love this church, and I think this church is a wonderful church. But I also know we're not a perfect church. I know we all have ways we can grow. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Listen to what he says here. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Did you hear that? 
strive for peace with everyone and you could say strive for this too for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord you know what that's saying to me this idea of holiness is not an option God, God has not said to his people now listen when I save you we have option A, B, C and D is all the above though so this is the way it can be I, I'm concerned God did not say to you listen you trust me as savior today because I'm such a good guy what I did for you but now in about 10 years I'll come back and be your Lord and then you can start living the way that I've called you to live that's not the God whom we serve God says, be holy even as I am holy. Because I am holy, be holy. Pursue holiness even as you pursue peace with all men. So in, in looking at that, we have to ask ourselves, do we understand this call? Do we understand this command that God has given us, which is so important, understanding how it is a, attribute of God that is involved in everything that God does. So how, how do we understand this call and this command? I'll tell you how I have come to an understanding of it. And, and you may look at it differently and that's fine. You know, one of us be right and one of us be off. You know, but uh, it's alright. Maybe. But anyway, <laughs> let's think about this together, okay? Here's the way I, I have come to understand this truth of God's call to be holy in his command to be holy. I view it very much like I view sanctification. Because sanctification means set apart. Set apart for some specific purpose. Okay? So I, when I look at holiness, I see there is a holiness of practice. A holiness of how you and I as God's children live our life. And that is in that phrase, be holy in all your conduct. That's practice, right? Everything we do, we're supposed to be holy in it. And then there is this idea of we are holy in our position. Uh, and that is that statement, be holy as I am holy. And when I have come to an understanding like that, I see how this call to us is a reality that you and I are supposed to be, pursue. So let's look at those differently for just a moment. And verse 16, that's the one I called how we live or how... How we are due to our position. We are holy. That means we are in Christ. And like I said, often this is used for sanctification. We are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, then we are acceptable by God. And to be acceptable by God, dear brothers and sisters, we have to be holy. We cannot enter into the presence of God as sinners. All right? So how is that a possibility? It's because of what Jesus has done. We can enter into the presence of God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. There's two verses here that really make a lot of sense for us. All verses do. But listen to these two. And by that will, that will of Jesus being obedient to God's call, by that will we have been sanctified, set apart, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's that positional. If you are a child of God, you are in Christ. In Christ, you are holy. All right, now listen to just a couple of verses later. This is really a good. Hebrews 4, 10, 14. 
For by a single offering, now he just talked about a single offering, didn't he? By a single offering, he has perfected for all time. You hear that? He has perfected for all time. What? Those who are being sanctified. In that verse, you have both views. You have this positional, whereby a single offering, he has perfected you for all time. And then you have this living it out in practice, where he says you are being sanctified. God is at work in our life by the Spirit and by the Word, changing us, making us Christ's life. Okay? But we have that positional because of what Jesus Christ... Listen to this verse. It's not on the screen. Ephesians 1.4 He, God, chose us before the foundation of the world. Hear that? Before there was creation. It says, God chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be His buddy. Nope. It says that we should be holy blameless before Him. See, this has always been God's plan. God's plan has always been that He has a people who is holy. And He was teaching that to us all through the Scriptures. He taught us that with Father Abraham. Back when Abraham, it says, and, and he was made righteous because of his faith. And then Romans chapter 4, there's a whole chapter there teaching about the faith of Abraham and because how Abraham was a person of faith, righteousness was imputed to him. In other words, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, was put to the account of Abraham. Now, was that just for Abraham and for Israel? He said, no. You go on down through the chapter 4 there, and you come to a place where it says, and this was not only for Abraham, but it was for all of those of like faith. Hear that? That's how we enter in to this position of being holy. It is when we come to a place in our life where we realize we are not holy, that God is. And because of that, we are separated from Him. And man, we try religion, and we try good works, and we try being better than someone else. We try doing more at the church than anyone else does. We put in a bigger offering. While we serve at VBS, which by the way is this week, and I hope you serve. But, you know, we try all kind of things thinking in some way, surely, we are going to satisfy what? The holiness of God. But none of those things will. That's why God in His grace, because He loved us, He sent His Son. And His Son came and lived the life that we could not live. He lived a life of perfection. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You hear that? God loved us so much that in His holiness He sent His Son. His Son came and lived a perfect life holy life, being obedient to the Father. Then he went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb. Excuse me, he, he took our sins upon himself. He paid our sin debt. He went to the grave. The third day he arose. He spent 40 days seeing people, talking to people. Then he ascended into heavens where someday he is coming back as Savior or Judge. Okay, you may not understand all that, 
You may just understand the part that you're a sinner. God is holy. You can't do nothing except trust in Jesus Christ. And there may be some of you here today that that's right where you are. You've been trying and trying to figure out this deal. How can I get to God? And the only way you can is trust. You just finally say, I can't. I'm a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I can't. But Jesus, He has. And then we turn from our sins, which we call repentance, and we trust in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, believing what He has done on our behalf. And God says, man, listen, if you believe, John loves the word believe. The New Testament church loved the words repentance and faith. But when you do that, you become a child of God and you are placed in Christ. And dear brothers and sisters, you in the eyes of God, you are holy. Isn't that a wonderful gift? Man, that, that is a gift. Nothing you do for it. It is a gift of God that you become holy. But now here's the problem. He doesn't call us just to positional holiness in, in Peter and in Ephesians and Hebrews. He calls us to a holiness in practice. In fact, that Hebrews I said, pursue holiness, that is a holiness in practice. That is how we live our lives. See, I mentioned earlier, God has a plan for a holy people. He has not changed his plan. He still has a plan for a holy people. And we are to be living out a life of holiness. So, has God blown it? Since, since we're sinners, and has God blown it? Well, you already know I said you come to Christ. And I, I want to read a verse to you. Romans chapter 8, the verse we love, 28 through 30. And I want you to listen to, to what he says here. Many of you I know have this memorized. Listen to what he says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Alright, what is His purpose? Well, His purpose is so that we can fellowship with Him. Is it really? What is His purpose? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, folks, at the fall, we blew it. We blew the image of God. We were sinners, but God is restoring that image. In fact, someday, according to the Scriptures, there will be glorification, and we will be restored. But let's talk about practical. He has called us to live out a practical holiness, a holiness in all of our conduct. That means in the way we talk. That means in the way we act, our attitudes, our actions, our motives, we are supposed to be Christ-like. Now, I don't know about you, but that can be difficult sometimes. There's sometimes that, oh, Gary, I guess maybe I sometimes get in the flesh and something will upset me and I don't always act like I should. But you know what the difference is? I hope with me, I'm not happy about that. I don't go around and tell everybody, oh man, I blew it today. You should have seen me. I don't do that. I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I blew it today. And when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleansing us from all our unrighteousness. 
See, as a child of God, no, we are not perfect in this life. But he calls us to be perfect in all of our conduct. So how do we do that? We trust him. Let me tell you the danger of this, this idea of practical holiness. One, it is legalism. And there are a lot of people today that are living under legalism. I hope none of you, but what I mean by that, it's someone who gets saved by grace, but then they think they've got to do good works from that moment on, and if they don't, when they get to heaven, someday God's going to say, well, let's see here now. Up, oh, up, oh, you did more bad than you did good. Sorry. And give you the boot. It's not what's going to happen. You know why? Because it's not our good works that make us presentable to God. It is the work of Christ that makes us presentable to God. So the only reason anyone is going to get the boot is if they don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I'm afraid there are many people today who are living this time from their salvation to the time when they go to heaven with the attitude, man, I got to shine. I got to shine. And you know there's nothing wrong with that, to do the best you can do at everything. What I'm saying is when your motive is I've got to shine, so I can be right with God, then there's an issue. So there's that attitude of legalism. Now here's the other one that I see probably more than the other, and that is the attitude, well, you know, I am saved by grace now. Man, I am under grace. I'm not under the law anymore, so I can just act and sin all I want to. Now you may not use the word sin because we don't like that word, but there are a lot of Christians today who think, you know, I'm saved, so I'm just going to flat out live the way I want to live. All the time, having heard today and having heard many times that God has told us to pursue holiness. That God has told us in all our conduct to be holy. And I'll tell you a little secret, and many of you know this, out of Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. If you ever go to a church and, and they tell you that sin is okay, you know, and, and you can just live like the world, and that's fine and dandy, I would really encourage you to pack up your things and get out of there as quickly as you can because that is a false gospel. The gospel of grace is not a grace that says, okay, you're saved, so now go live like the devil. Go live like the world. That's not a saving grace. Listen to what... Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now listen. Training us, believers. Grace of God is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, listen to the last phrase, and godly lives in this present age do you hear what he's saying that is so black and white clear God's people are called to live differently than those who are in the world that doesn't mean we cannot have friends be friends and I hope we are with people who don't know Christ that doesn't mean we're supposed to get puffed up and think oh we're so much better than them that's not it because we know it's only by the grace of God that we are who we are Dear friends, we need to remember this call that God has placed upon us. 
he has told us, even in 1 Peter, he told us, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You know what that means, those passions? That's not just sexual. That is any desire, any passion that you try to fulfill outside of God's plan and purpose. When you have some kind of desire, I almost said eating, but I don't know if I'm going to go there. You know? But when you have any kind of desire, and, and dear brothers and sisters, desires are God-given, okay? Desires are not bad things in themselves. God has given us desires. The problem is, is how sometimes we want to fulfill those desires. And when we do that, that is what he's talking about here. Passions of your former ignorance. When you knew better. He's saying you know better now. So don't let those things do what? Conform you. What does it mean to be conformed again? It means to be shaped by outside pressure. You put jello in a round bowl, you got round jello. You put it in a square bowl, you got square jello. That is being conformed. And dear brother and sister, he's saying, don't be conformed to your former passions. Now, like I said, that talks about much more than just sex. But because sex is so prevalent today, and, and dear brothers and sisters, I, I'm really not throwing stones here. I just want to read the Word of God and, and, and pray that we hear it. Because I really believe there's a really, really loose attitude sometimes amongst God's people about sexual relationships. In fact, I've got somebody very close to me that I love very much. And boy, their, their attitude has changed about this and it just breaks my heart. So that's why I want to read this, because I know the reality of sexual sins, okay? So listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. For this is the will of God. How many times have you asked, what is the will of God? This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now that doesn't say if you have a friend that doesn't restrain. You still love them, you still pray for them. You still befriend them. You don't treat them like they're worse than you. But that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body. How? In holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Verse 17 of chapter 1, Peter says that. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God, listen, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Hear that? Called in holiness. Now listen to the last verse. Therefore, remember what therefore means? Because of what's been said before. Therefore, Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying as the children of God, in our personal relationships, we should not have a worldly attitude towards sexual relationships. Alright? In our relationships with others, my wife, and of course, talking about sexual relationships, that's it. But Alright. So, in sexual relationships, though, that's the way it's supposed to be, okay? She's shaking her head. Anyway, anyway, 
That's the way it's supposed to be. Here's my concern. Listen to this. And this is, I believe this is much higher today. This is from a couple years ago. 33% of church members believe it is okay to live together outside of marriage. 33% believe that. I have one very close to me that had their mind changed about that. They believe that now. That's okay to live together outside of marriage. They're not doing it, praise God, but their attitude has changed. See, friends, we are in such danger as of a church to get an attitude in our lives that is not important. And once again, like I said, we love people. We're talking about our personal relationships here. We're not talking about someone else. We are talking about ourselves, child of God. We are not supposed to be involved in a relationship outside of marriage. Let me ask you something. And I don't mean to be crude here, but I might be. When two people, a Christian and someone, or two Christians, which happens often, get into a sexual relationship, physical relationship with one another, I want to ask you a question. Where is the Holy Spirit in that? Have you ever thought about that? What did he say? Well, I turned the page already. Oh, there it is. Disregards this, not man but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If we are a child of God, there is no way we should be comfortable in a physical relationship that does not honor God personally. I'm talking about us personally. And there's some of you here, I have no idea what kind of relationships you got in your life. Like I said, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just saying what this scripture says here. You know, and, and you may go out of here today and, and you might say, you might be single and you might be shacking up. I don't know. And you might go out of here today and say, you know, I don't care what that pastor said. And you know what the Bible says? Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, not me, but God. God's really clear in how we are supposed to live as Christians. He's speaking to Christians here, okay? He's not speaking to the world. He's not speaking to the Gentiles. He's talking to us, how we are supposed to live. Positional. In the eyes of God, we are set apart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are made new. And one day, praise God, this positional that is not yet but is now will become reality. Every one of us in here who is a child of God, you've been born again. There is a day ahead of us. I know not if it's today or if it's a thousand years from now, I don't know. Five hundred years from now. I don't know the day. But I know according to the word of God, there's coming a day when God's people, in the twinkle of an eye, we will be changed. We will be changed. This old will be gone. And all will be new. And we will be able to be in the very presence of God. You know why? Because of what Jesus has done.
when we stand before God someday, it won't be because, boy, Gary, she could get a lot of good stuff. It'll be because Jesus did something really good. He died for me, and he saved me. Practical, in this life, we will never, we will never get 100% right. In fact, if you never sin, I, I'd like to meet you, okay? I really would. Chris, I know you're really close. But yeah. <laughs> Chris and I have been buddies for years. But, you know, we'll never, we'll never do that in this life. There's always going to be times that you and I, we are going to struggle. It, it may be the same temptation a couple times in a row. And, man, it just beats us up sometimes. But, you know, in that temptation that God is, do, God is doing something in our life, he really is. He uses those things to shape us, make us, change our character. He's a God of grace and he's a God who loves us. So, holy. Be holy. Are you? If you've been born again, you are. Be holy in all your conduct? No. I hope you have a desire to be. I really do. I hope you have a real Holy Spirit put desire in your heart to be holy in all you do. And I hope we are the type of person, like I said, when we blow it, when we sin, I hope we are the type of person that doesn't say, well, you know, I'm just human. I'm just human. I hope we're the type of person who says, you know what? I sin, but I have a Savior who has promised me. Not only does he save me, he keeps me. And I go before him and I confess my sin and he forgives me. That's his promise. So practical, you'll never reach it this life. Pursue it. Man, I sure hope that you pursue it. I, I hope every day of your life, I hope some of you guys, when, when you go to coffee today, and maybe you go with some guys who are not believers, and, and they're telling jokes and, and they're saying things that you know are not honoring to God, I hope you act differently. I, I hope you don't throw rocks at them. I really do. I don't hope you tell them. Don't, don't tell them what terrible sinners they are. But I hope you act different. I hope you live your life different. Knowing the Spirit of God resides within you. And, and let me just close with this. Do you know what? I asked a question a while ago about two two Christians or one Christians, where was the Holy Spirit at? You know what happens when we sin? We grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what it is to be grieved? It means to be sorrowful, heartbroken. And when we come to places in life and the Spirit of God brings these words to our minds saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And we just go ahead and do it. The Spirit of God is grieved. And we need to repent of that. We really do. We need to be people who are led by the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we're obedient to the Spirit. So how about it? Are you holy? Have you been born again? Can be. You can be born again. You understand you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who saves you. You can be born again. Christian, 
Are you pursuing holiness? Let's bow together. Gracious Father, thank you for your word. And I know this is such a big, big doctrine to talk about that, God, there's probably things going through our minds and questions we have that we didn't even touch on today. And Lord, I know that you have called us to be holy, called us to be different in our lives and in who we are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, you know every one of us have friends and, and loved ones and neighbors and, and maybe they're making bad choices. God, help us be gracious just as you were gracious to us. Help us be forgiving even as you forgave us in Christ Jesus. God, if, if we should separate from anyone that should be believers, it's not acting like believers. So help us love those who don't know you. Help us not be judgmental, but help us be gracious. May the truth of your word draw people to yourself. God, use us to bring glory to yourself. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.